That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. Yo, what's up? Thank you for tuning in today. Thanks to humans for bringing us in. Thanks to you for supporting the show. I'm Shane Raymer. You're listening to That Sober Guy podcast, and uh, we talk about drugs. We talk about alcohol. We talk about trying to stay sober, uh, live a better lifestyle, uh, be healthy, be positive. Good stuff right there. Uh, Welcome today. If you're tuning in for the first time, it's uh, great to have you here. I always like to say we're not a platform meant or designed to replace any 12-step program, uh, any professional advice, um, any any programs at that. Uh, really what we're here to do is have some fun, uh, create a platform that uh, is open, honest, uh, and provide some good sharing experiences. Uh, and I think I said fun all, already, but man, that's one of my favorite things is is having some fun in recovery. So uh, we got a great guest today for you. I'm really, really pumped uh, to talk to this man. Uh, his name's Teo Alfaro, and Teo was born and raised in Argentina, and he came to California in 1999, and uh, his passion for reaching out to young people uh, in need of mentoring, uh, in need of guidance, uh, combined with a unique understanding of the subtle yet powerful uh, teachings of wolves, uh, inspired the creation of Wolf Connection, uh, which is a sanctuary for wolves and wolf dogs north of Los Angeles. Uh, Tail is an experienced TEDx speaker, uh, and he's now the author of his first book, The Wolf Connection, What Wolves Can Teach Us About Being Human. Uh, and like I said, super pumped to talk to him. I actually heard him on a friend of mine's show, Trip Lanier, uh, just a week or two ago, and uh, was so excited to connect. Uh, so we're going to get to Teo in just a minute. Uh, but first, be sure to check us out at thatsoberguy.com. You can also connect with us on Instagram, at realthatsoberguy, uh, and on Twitter, at Shane Raymer. Now, every year, 23 million Americans are living with addiction, but only 3 million are actually seeking the help that they need. Uh, So I want to tell you about Heroes in Recovery. Uh, Heroes in Recovery has a simple mission. It's to eliminate the social stigma that keeps people with addiction and mental health issues from seeking the help that they need. Uh, They also share stories of recovery for the purpose of encouragement, inspiration, uh, and they help create an engaged, sober community that empowers people to get involved, to give back, uh, to live healthy, active lives, uh, which is so important uh, when when you're you're living in recovery. Uh, And I know that from personal experience. Uh, Heroes in Recovery is here to break the stigma. And uh, if you have a story, or do you have a story, you can help bring truth and some hope to the spotlight by sharing it with Heroes in Recovery. So if you want to learn more about this, you can go to heroesinrecovery.com slash sober guy. That's heroesinrecovery.com slash sober guy. Or you can call if you have some questions, your loved one needs some help. Uh, you can call 833-81-SOBER. That's 833-81-SOBER. Uh, and you can get uh, get some help, some questions answered, uh, anything that you need there. So let's see here. I think that is all the announcements for today. Nice and short. I like it like that. Uh, Teo Alfaro, my friend, thank you for taking some time with us today and coming on That Sober Guy, man. How are you? I'm good, Shane. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man, it's a it's an honor, man. And I, uh, I I mentioned briefly in the intro, uh, a friend of mine, Trip Lanier, who really helped to uh, uh, inspire me to launch this show. Uh, I love when things happen like this. I get his emails every week uh, or every couple of weeks on when he puts new content out, and I see the the email come through last week and. 
it says tail off Pharaoh wolf connection. And I start looking at, looking at, I ended up listening to it. And, and before that though, the next email was, uh, was some contact info trying to, uh, to, to connect us, which was great. So, uh, it's re- really cool how things like that happen sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. That, that tells you that, um, this is the right thing to do. Yeah. So you came to, you came to America, I want to say what, 1998, 1999. Is that right? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Um, and you came from Argentina, I, you know, and like I said, I listened to a little bit of, of the podcast with Trip, so I know you came with like 600 bucks in your pocket and a, and a dream to find this, uh, this author, um, maybe take us back to, uh, to a little bit before that, what drove you to get out of Argentina, to come to America? What did that life look like before you ended up in the States? You know, sometimes people travel and, and, and relocate, uh, you know, escaping from from uh, from poor situations, that was not the case for me. I had a good life. I mean, I uh, you know, um, right before coming, I was uh, I was a, I'm a mountaineer and 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 uh, you know, guide in in Patagonia, you know, uh, the tip of South South America, and but I always had this itch, this yearning for. Um, for the spiritual side, and I, I studied and and search, um, you know, many different traditions. I look into Hinduism and to into uh, Buddhism and so on, uh, Celtic, um, and then eventually came across the writings of uh, Carlos Castaneda, the author that I ended up uh, seeking, and um, and that captivated me to a point that by the time I finished uh, reading his last book, uh, he he wrote. 12 of them, I, I had to find them. Hmm. I had to find them. So really what brought me to the States was that, that search. It wasn't uh, um, any, I mean, I, my, my life actually got a little worse for, for, for a while. I mean, I, you know, from being a business owner and living in the mountains in Patagonia, I ended up, you know, finding a job washing cars for eight bucks an hour. Huh. Um, and so I could, I could do my spiritual training. So I would, you know, wash cars from seven in the morning to three and then go home, take a nap and then, uh, study and practice and sit in meditation and, 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 uh, from like, I don't know, five in the afternoon until three, four, five in the morning, hmm. sleep a couple of hours, go back to work. And that was my life for, for a few years. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a believer that each of us has, that yearning inside of us for something, and and that yearning is not a voice that will scream in your face. It's not a. Uh, it's not a. It doesn't come in the form of a piano falling on your head, or sometimes it does in case of <laughs> in case of addiction. Yeah. Um, but it's a it's a this subtle subtle whisper that uh, you know if you don't pay attention to it uh, long enough, that whisper will will get you know, quieter and quieter and eventually will, will be overshadowed by the, the noise and the distraction. Mm. Um, but there's so much to gain by taking a chance and, and following that, that subtle voice that we all have. So do you think that voice at that time, uh, you're living a pretty decent life. Um, but did, is it fair to say that you just felt something inside that there was more, there was more of this journey, this kind of expedition for you to go on and, and seek and find? Yeah. I mean, uh, well, I mean, no matter what your life is about, no matter how much you accomplished or didn't, 
there is so much more. Mm. There is so much more. And, and, um, so, you know, we can jump on that train and, and, and try to go all the way and, and be a, a seeker and a finder until the day we die. We can decide to get on that train for a little while and then get off on a station that looks pretty good. And that's no, no harm in that. Uh, sometimes, you know, some of us, for whatever reason, sometimes it's trauma, sometimes it's, it's uh, uh, you know, different limitations or mental illness, like a voicing in your in your introduction, uh, some of us may not get in that train at all. And that's the we've, you know, we're on. So you, you mentioned Car- uh, Carlos, uh, did you say Castanilla? Did I say that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What? He, was a, he was an anthropologist and, um, you know, he was named by Time Magazine in the 60s as the as godfather of the New Age movement. Mm. He... Um, as an anthropology student, he went to Mexico doing some research and he came in contact with a shaman that trained him for 13 years or so. And, and he wrote about that training extensively. And, and that, you know, those, those books have been the foundation of a lot of the modern uh, Western spiritual teaching. I mean, many, many well-known authors today have based their work on Carlos Castaneda's work. Um, Really remarkable for anybody to to check him out, and uh, and of course in this province about addiction, the first couple of books he talks about some of his journeys with medicinal plants. Mm. Um, eventually, that evolves. I mean, so so uh, you know sometimes people say, "Oh, Carlos Castaneda, you know, you get high on 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 uh, on you know peyote and stuff." And my training over twenty years never involved a single substance. It was all uh, practice and, and discipline and mm. and focus. So there's, uh, you know, if you put in the work, there's, uh, you can get all the way in the spiritual journey without ever getting um, getting on 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 a hallucinogenic uh, journey. Yeah. So for for a guy like me who's in recovery or someone out there listening who's in recovery, um, you know, and, and has some experience with that. Uh, is there is there one you said he wrote 12 different books I think is there one specific that maybe you could recommend that someone might start if they were in because I know I'm interested in checking it out now I'm assuming someone else out there might be too is there is there one in particular that you would recommend to start with yeah that's that's two I mean I would recommend the last one called uh, the active side of infinity mm-hmm. that's the, the last one that he wrote and it, and it shows the maturity and it shows just the, the journey Um. And then there's one called the uh, um, uh, the uh, the art the art of dreaming mm. the art of dreaming and and that's also in the later uh, the later years and it's a uh, very interesting book about the power of uh, of lucid dreaming. Got it. Got it. Okay. Perfect. So those, two, those two are the are the main ones, and, and they they're not mentioning uh, any of the. Uh, substances or anything. got it okay cool and I'll, I'll throw some of those along with your with your new book that we're going to get to uh here in a little bit uh in the show notes for everyone out there listening so so let's uh let's do this man so you take uh and correct me if i'm wrong but 600 bucks you hop on a plane you head over to the states to find carlos and what happens from there why well, i i land on lax with no clue where to start <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm not, too, you know, I'm not a big professor. I checked myself into a, you know, youth hostel, 
by the airport and and um um but i got really lucky i mean there was uh there was a, a teaching event that just happened uh, you know a, a few days before i arrived and and there was a lot of buzz in the city uh so i went to um to a meeting that happened and and in that in that meeting i was uh lucky enough to meet uh two of carlos castaneda's apprentices project apprentices so mm. so it was a pretty straight straight shot for me because from early on i was able to be in touch uh, with people studying with him and so on. So eventually I, I became a, so I, I gotta say, I mean, I never met Carlos Castaneda. He died a couple of months before I arrived, which mm. I didn't know. Yeah. Right. So, so, and eventually I became an apprentice of, of, uh, his colleague, um, a woman named, uh, Carol Tig, who has the same training and is, you know, remains my teacher to this day. So, um, I mean, I, again, I, you know, Many times the path ahead doesn't look uh, doesn't look clear. There's not a there's not a plan. Yeah. But there is impulse and there is a balance. There's a balance between recklessness and boldness. So, uh, somewhere in there, and I, I'm not I'm not uh, pretend to tell to know the difference. But um, I guess if you follow your heart sooner or later, that this is a net that will catch you. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that that was one of the things that really stood out for me with your story um, was, you know, a lot of us, I think, experience that and we don't really know how to deal with the fact of things are kind of all over the place. And we'd like to, and I, I can speak for myself, like for a long time, I felt like something, um, it, it just didn't make sense to me. You know what I mean? And I had to have everything lined up and it, I wasn't really going with the flow of things and having that, that faith that everything was going to kind of work out the way it was supposed to. Um, and I don't know that there's, you know, a specific formula for that. I think each person's a little bit different, but I was hoping maybe that you could kind of talk a little bit about that, about how, you know, for you, your, your life, your journey has kind of evolved by in, in, in the way I understand it is just kind of going with the flow of things and, and letting things fall into place and doing the next right thing. And you've had this trajectory that ends up, you know, leading you to starting this wolf, wolf sanctuary with, I, which I hope, uh, you know, we can get into a little bit about that too, because that's a great story in itself. And then, you know, writing this book and helping just all kinds of, of, of people, um, you know, through therapy and through, through that. So let me kind of back up a little bit. What is, what does that look like for you? And I'll just kind of put it and feel free to reframe it up if you need to, but as going with the flow. Okay. So, and again, this is not, you know, uh, intended for replacement for any therapy or treatment. Sure. For me, it's a combination of two things. For me, it's a combination of presence and capacity. And I tell you what I mean by that. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, the two or three moments in my life that kind of, um, set the tone. One is when I moved to the mountains in, in Patagonia without knowing even how to climb or ski or anything like that. And I learned on the go. The two, when I, when I came to the States. And third, when I started Wolf Connection, I started with the wolves, which I have no clue what I was doing. And, and there was something kind of driving me through. On those three moments, especially the last two, I was, I had a conscious, a, a conscious, uh, a, intention um, that pretty much one like this. Wolf connection is going to kill me when I want to make it work. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, so, so that's the present. 
uh, well, it's both, right? So present meaning, no matter what is thrown at you, you just you just stand and face it. And is it going to kill you or not? And if it doesn't, let's go. Yeah. So that's one. Capacity, when I refer to capacity, I'm still referring to the... Uh, it's, it's a it's a it's a physical thing, it's, but it's, it's a combination of the physical and the emotion emotional, where uh, and it's a muscle that is worked and stretched where you're able to hold your emotional reaction no matter what, mm. no matter what it, what is what is thrown at you, uh, circumstances, uh, adversity. Uh, some people have a harder time you know, handling success and adversity. So whatever that is, sometimes success, sometimes adverse, adversity, sometimes is things going not the way you expect, sometimes it's going perfectly the way you expect, and then you're freaking out, yeah. right? So, so all these different reactions, no matter what it is, having the ability in your nervous system, in your body to circulate it, to hold it, hold it, hold it, let it bake, 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 bake. Because what I found at the time that I've been successful in doing that is that eventually that pressure... Uh, finds a whole new gear in us that we didn't know we have. Mm. You know, we think that we're gonna pop. We can't. T- I can't take it anymore, right? And then, and then we, we you know, we distract. We we numb out. We, we use substances. We we get busy. We you know, humans. We are you know, addictions. You know, we we are addictive beings in every way. You know, if, uh, yeah. if it's not alcohol and substances is, you know, TV and food and work and sex and, I mean, you name it. You know, we're just, uh, and I think the, the foundation for me, and I'm also, a, you know, I, I, I've been through 12 steps myself, the, the foundation of, of uh, recovery has to do with presence and capacity. Mm. In my humble opinion, of course, I'm not, I'm not um, pretending to you know, have the answer. Yeah, no, that's great, man. I love, I love, and thank you. I love the presence and capacity and thanks for kind of breaking it down. Um, I think that to your point of, you know, whether it's drugs, alcohol, food, TV, sex, technology, whatever, we have this tendency, uh, you know, to, to want to numb out, I think. And I know I still get that sometimes and, and the way I do it, um, you know, I'll hop on my phone for instance, you know, and I'll, I'll, yep. I'll kind of, I can escape this reality. Maybe it's the chaos at home right now. I, I mentioned, you know, a couple of kids and, you know, love, love my family to death more than anything in this world. But sometimes, you know, it's, you want to, you kind of want to check out and, um, what is it, do you think, you know, in your experience, um, that, that, that kind of stems from, because one of the things we, that we, we talk about a lot on this show is, Yes, up front, a lot of us struggle with addiction, right? It's drugs, alcohol. Those are kind of the two main things that we talk about probably more or the most on here. Um, but those are really just symptoms of the actual issues, you know, for myself that I, I have never dealt with or that I'm working on dealing with now actively through step work or through mentorship or through uh, whatever program it, it may be. Um, that's really what we have to dig down into, uh, to find out why we're wanting to check out so much. So when you got here and you, and you started this whole new life and, and you're, you know, you're kind of trying to figure out what you're going to do. Um, you know, 
what did that look like for you? Like, were, were you able to jump right in and, and, and start this practice or did you go through some, some pretty hard struggles and how, how'd you get through those? If so. Okay. Well, that's a, that's a, that's a packed, uh, that's a bunch of questions. <laughs> in one question. I threw a bunch of knife ninja stars at you right, real right, quick. Right, right, <laughs> right. You did, you did. So I'm, I'm going to unpack it a little bit. Okay. Okay. Um, so you, you said it, what do you think, you asked me, what do you think it stemmed from, you know, that, that need for, for, um, uh, for numbing out and, and we can go a whole hour on that, but I'm just going to bullet point a few, a few, a few, uh, seats to, for your listeners. So it's, uh, if we go upstream, it's a, it's an entire cultural and social issue. Mm, yeah. That, that mainly stems from uh, the illusion that we are separated from the natural world, that we are not part of nature. Why do I, why do I say that? We have created a life that um, is overwhelming in many ways. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the definition of it. I mean, the speed and intensity and, 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 and overstimulation is just the definition of the 21st century Westerners' life. So, if you look at mammals in nature, they all have ways in which they will uh, they will process stress and overwhelm, and and many of them is is, is some form of checkout. You know, prey animals we go into a numb state that they look that you know they appear like dead. Uh, predators will sleep a lot. Um, so, so we have a built-in way to, to really process and, uh, it's a survival skill, you know, to yeah. really process, uh, stress and trauma. Now, the level of stimulus that we humans have created for ourselves is so overwhelming that in some cases the checkout needs to be equally, needs to meet, needs to meet the challenge, mm. right? Yeah. Um, the other piece is that, that we took out is that we have eradicated uh, rites of passage, initiation, and spiritual growth out of the, our culture, right? Mm. So we, we are dealing with adult, busy lives, mostly with a... Uh, um, you know the the emotional intelligence of a of a child. Yeah. So we we have a poor. I mean, no one is teaching this. No way to. I mean, we, you know, if you want to be an attorney, you go to school for it. If you want to, you know, be a counselor, you go to school for it. You get you get your your certification and so on. Um. Nowhere in this process there is any kind of emotional intelligence training or rights of initiation uh, in our culture. So. What we find is emotional, immature, emotional, uh, um, uh, shallow individuals raising emotionally shallow individuals. So we have, you know, emotional, you know, teenagers raising, raising teenagers regardless of the age. And, and that, uh, that, uh, poor emotional intelligence or, or emotional, you know, numbness, um, has very little, uh, resources. So, in a way, I I believe that 
numbing out is a healthy response to the stimulus. Otherwise, we blew, we would blow up. Yeah. So numbing out is a way to you know just unplug for a minute to to let something in our body kind of take an exhale, so we can get in the ring again. But what if our lung capacity, our stamina, could be threat? Then you need to numb out less and less and less, and then eventually back to presence and capacity, we are able to hold in our presence and our capacity. They need to numb out. They need to check out the chaos in the family, the kids running around yelling or acting out or whatever that is. And we are able to just stand there, breathing through the acting out. And what we are doing at that point is teaching our children presence. Mm. Right? There's yeah. no... There's no way to teach it without demonstrating, you know, you know, emotional intelligence is not something you read in a book. Yeah. Or intelligence, you know, uh, and mostly our mentors and our parents and our and our adult figures will either demonstrate it or not. And for the most part, we don't. We don't demonstrate to our children. So, so from a young age, they realize, you know, I blow a lead, and the parents are out to lunch. No one is holding the space, and so first, scary for the kids. And second, they go, well, okay, so under pressure, check out. That's the lesson. And, yeah. and they've been trained as little kids, under pressure, check out. And that's what we do as adults. Do you think that there is uh, a strategy, maybe, a, or, or there could be, uh, it's possible that there could be a potential strategy um, to do to intentionally do this to a culture to a society to keep us in a state of um, disconnect from our from our real spiritual uh, power that we have as individuals. Well, I mean now we're, now we're going into into more of a, of a, of a social issue and and you know everybody will have their own opinions. You know, historically speaking, not only modern society, but you're looking at you know throughout the ages. Yeah. A, a population that is in fear and mm-hmm. and uh, illiterate and um, and puts the power on someone else to tell them what God say or what the right thing to do is, it's a lot easier to control mm-hmm. and and it, ca- it can have a lot you know a lot of benefits for a few for a few people. Sure. Um, on the other hand, to um, empower a, a population and bring, you know, um, open the doors, social, financial, and so on, doors to uh, for empowerment and growth is an extremely challenging thing. You know, yeah. how, do you, how do you lead? In order to lead a population like that, you really need to, uh, you know, be worth your salt. And that's not what we're seeing in most of our leaders today. Yeah, 100% agree. Uh, yeah, that's an interesting uh, topic. I mean, that like that could go off on a whole another tangent, and I'd I'd, I'd love to to chat with you more about that maybe sometime, maybe another podcast or just a convo or something because um, I, I feel like you got some good uh, some good insight on that that I'd love to hear about. But I really want to. Um, well, let me let me give you one one yeah, soundbite. Please, that, then we move on. Please. So the soundbite for that is that I don't think any uh, ruling class would actually open those doors. That's why Carlos Castaneda would call it the, the you know, the ultimate revolution. Mm, yeah. You know, the, yeah. I mean, the, if each of us take ownership of our own destiny and our own growth. Yeah. And then, I mean, the, 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 the tools are at our fingertips. Yeah. 
you know, no one needs to give us permission to to really create a practice for ourselves and com- and start uh, a spiritual journey, a spiritual education, and emotional depth deepening. I mean, no one can needs needs to give us permission of that. It's just that uh, you know, it's easier to complain that you really get to work. Yeah. So, well, I mean, it's, you know, well, there's it's been, all of- there's been a big there's been a big um, you know movement, and and I and I've been following it a bit. Uh, and and it's very interesting to me, and and I think there's a couple different names for it. The one that comes to me is is the Great Awakening, right? It's the it's the awakening of um of spirit inside of us, and and to me, what that says is like this reality that I'm that I thought was once real, um, it's really not. It's it's a, and it, I'm not even sure how to articulate it other than the fact of like going to work at an, and there's nothing wrong with grinding out and, and, and going to work and paying your bills. I get that. So that's not what I'm saying here, but that, that reality that we're supposed to go to work nine to five, work our asses off, um, come home, barely have a weekend. We just talked about this in, in service over the weekend. One of our pastors did and, and, uh, you know, you come home and and you're empty. You're not living out that full passion. Like we have something in us that we know, and it's different for everybody. Um, but like, for me, I knew there was something inside of me that was burning for more, that there was something, and it's not more in a material space. It's more in a spiritual space and what my purpose is to serve others, to get out there, to connect with people, to connect on a spiritual level. And I think that, um, there, there's something missing for a lot of people out there who haven't been able to, uh, to, to, to even grasp a little bit of what that looks like in their own lives. Does that make sense? Totally, totally, and and you know the you know we're gonna go now to the ego or, or self reflection. I mean that that's what's getting old. Yeah, I mean there's not really a way out because uh, you you're describing the the life of the you know middle class worker that you know very honorable in many ways. Sure, and and we can talk about the lives of many people that that you know, own factories and companies and they're worth billions and they're equally miserable. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, so the form of our daily life is, has, has many times little to do with the, the, what's available uh, in our inner journey. Mm. Um, we can find bliss and, and paradise on a nine to five, uh, you know, in a factory and or uh, you know challenging situations as well as, as uh, a great success the the revolution of consciousness is eventually will realize that it's not about us uh, yeah that's good it's not about us it's not about us because also otherwise the 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 um search for my vision and my purpose and my, you know, you see, I mean, still my, 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 me, myself and I, right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that's, that's a higher level of, 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 of the trap yeah. that, you know, eventually I'm going to find my vision and I'm going to be happy. I'm going to find my purpose. And I'm going to leave my, my, my purpose on this earth and I'm going to mm-hmm. be happy. Mm-hmm. And as long as it's my vision, it's going to be limited. And that's where that, that's where that, what you're saying is that, that ego can come in that connection. And I, and I think I, I want to say this too, even in light of myself and maybe I, I, cause I feel like we all have done this or do this at certain point. I just did it 
it's a human, it's, it's almost like we're wired that way, or we are wired that way. My, me, I, we're very selfish human beings. I feel like, and I know that since I've been in recovery, I've started to unwind some of that stuff and, 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 and try to practice and understand. And it's, I I feel like for me, it's going to, it's a lifelong thing. Um, and getting into that service, getting out of the, my, the me, uh, what can I do for others? Um, you know, that's when I feel most complete, but I'd be a liar if I said that I think that all the time because I, it's, it's such a practice. It's such a hard thing to do. I'm so wired, uh, to be selfish, you know? And so that journey of trying to unwind that man, it, it takes a lot of continuous work. Well, you're talking about the emotional maturity I was really uh, talking about before. Uh, this, this selfishness belongs to an early stage in development. Mm. You know, uh, you, you have a, a four five year old, I have a four year old, you know, I want to watch Curious George and I don't care what you want to watch. Right. I mean, I, you know, I want the cookie. I don't want the, you know, the, 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 the chicken with mashed potatoes. Yeah. And that's right. But we remain stuck there. Mm. And then we go in, you know, the teenager, I want to fuck this. You know, I mean, I want whatever. I mean, that's, that's the yeah. extent of our, our experience. And we remain stuck there. Yeah. And there's no process at a social level for pa- moving past that. So, for you know, we keep dressing it up. We, we begin, you know, we bring all this new agey language about my purpose and what I want to accomplish and what I want in life. But if you really take all that fluff around, out of it, mm-hmm. you're still sounding like a 12-year-old. <laughs> that's such a good point. Right. Such a good point. Right. So, so this, uh, I mean, this, uh, and most, most people, if we are lucky, we're getting into this, you know, selflessness or this uh, greater vision later in life. You know, out of anybody that has been on, on this planet more than 70 or 80 years, there are people that you want to sit with and listen to them. And of course, we, in our society, we made the point of calling them useless and old and decrepit and whatever, and we just put them away. So the only source of, you know, what uh, Asian traditions call the elders and the wise people that we go out for, for, uh, for, for guidance yeah. uh, also got been taken out of the equation. Mm. So how, how do we, um, you know, get out of that selfishness by maturing emotionally? And that, that requires, in, the only path I know is spiritual practice. Is, you know, whatever the practice is, I mean, there are many very worthy traditions that have been around for millennia. None of them provide uh, a quick fix. It's not a pill. It's not a fixed course. It's not a weekend meditation thing, and then you're enlightened. It's a yeah. way of living. Yeah. It's a, it's a state of it's a state of, of awareness. It's a way of you know approaching our lives that is different, and that is not even going to be perfect. But it takes move us you know slowly into one direction, and eventually, when we are able to really observe our emotions, observe our reactions, that gains it brings us wisdom. And that wisdom eventually takes us a little bit away from that me, myself, and I that we're all stuck in. Yeah, that's good. So I'm so interested in hearing more about wolves, right? I, I, I dug into it a little bit, a little bit of pre-production stuff. Mentioned already twice, I think. I listened to your Trips interview. Um, maybe, maybe we can start, uh, and if this is okay with you, giving us a little bit of, of background about wolves in general. And then if you could, sh- if you could maybe jump into, um, 
how you actually started the Wolf Connection because that story is is great too. Sure, sure. Well, so you know, I have pledged my life to two things. In, early in life, it was pledged. I pledged it to to raising consciousness, raising vibration on this planet. So every every breath I take, every beat of my heart is dedicated to that. Later in life, I pledged it to be of service to the next generation. So, so my my one of the main ways in which I I hope to leave this planet a little better than I found it um, is by serving the next generation, serving those, especially those in um, underserved. Wolves are the oldest animal relationship we have in nature. So now science is beginning to um, corroborate, suggest what traditions have been talking about for millennia, Mm. which is the wolf is the first animal we've ever associated with. Oh, wow. Perhaps a couple of hundred thousand years ago. There's a new um, archaeological discovery in northern England, new, I mean, a couple of years old in Northern England, where they found in a cave early human remains, or so early Neanderthal remains, early Homo remains, and, and uh, uh, dire wolf remains buried next to each other. Hmm. So that discovery is 500,000 years ago. So it uh, doesn't mean that the, the wolf was our pet by then, but there was enough relevance in our relationship that triggered that kind of burial arrangement. So the the next relationship that we have is the horse, and that's 10,000 years old. Hmm. So if you look at it, uh, and now science, you know, the, the study of epigenetics and, and uh, different uh, archaeological findings are pointing to the fact that we have literally been running with wolves for hundreds of thousands of years. And that, mo- and that we have adopted in many ways wolf lifestyle. So we are we are a mammal, and we are um, uh, you know uh, um, DNA wise uh, descending from genetically descending from apes. But as a, as we behave like wolves, mm. we. Uh, the way we organize socially, the way our families work, the way we take care of our young, the extended family model. The, I mean, those are all wolf, um, wolf um, social organizations and social systems. And then it seems like over the millennia we have learned how to hunt, you know, from wolf, migrate. Some of our communication uh, techniques, you know, body language is was copied from wolves. Um, so. Some scientists believe that our relationship with wolves and canines and dogs is resides in our DNA level. Basically, we have a genetic memory of our long-lasting relationship with wolves. Wow. So, my theory, what I'm, I'm I'm proposing and I'm seeing, I'm testing at Wolf Connection, is that when these people with heavy emotional trauma uh, and pain come in contact in the presence of wolves, that ancestral memory, that primal memory gets activated mm-hmm. and then 
and that memory resides beneath all the socialized learned behavior. So all the hurt and pain and addiction and and trauma and mistrust and anger and so on subsides for a moment. Mm. So the connection with the world is at a very primal early stage, developmentally speaking. And that so far has been allowing us the opportunity to start anew with these these young young people with to um, to get some message that they can trust and they believe on they believe in and to it's almost like a factory reset if you might yeah so that's that's why wolf did I know this when I started wolf connection no I did not <laughs> I, I again it was a it was a draw uh, I was looking for a more powerful way to engage young people I was doing lectures in schools I was traveling and I didn't feel I was really making a difference. People felt inspired, but it was short, short-lived. Then I adopted, I rescued a little wolf dog puppy. Um, and on the search to find the, a, a playmate for my pet, I find 16 wolves and wolf dogs in a hoarder, coming from a hoarder facility that uh, were in need of, of, of care and assistance. Mm. So I begin volunteering. Uh, helping out and I still until then I still thought I was helping these animals um, with one hand and with my other hand I was still looking for a way to help young people huh. until I, I brought those two together until I invited a school that I had just lectured at and invited them to come and meet the wolves I didn't have any curriculum I didn't have any process I didn't have anything I just have them meet and I began witnessing the miracles I began witnessing the Know, hearts uh, cracking open and smiles beaming and people that uh, were not able to to open up immediately open up you know very naturally so then I realized I had something in my hands and and, and I um, I I began researching I began finding out all this information I just told you and then I began putting it together uh, be, began creating the bridge that's why I call it the wolf connection is the connection oh, yeah. between wolves and humans and then and then the, the book, I structured it um, on nine realms. So each way, the nine realms, I talk about the different ways in which we can refer to wolves. So many of us think of wolves and think of the animal in, in the wild hunting deer, and that's very accurate. And uh, in, in my book, I'm proposing that that's, not, only the, that's the, not the only way in which humans can relate to wolves. There is a mythological way, way there is a ritualistic way, there is an, an, uh, a human-wolf bond that we can explore. And then there's a practice that I developed. It's a, it's a, you know, in the last chapter of the book, I lay out a whole bunch of principles and things that people can do to connect with a wolf spirit, which is ultimately our own spirit. Didn't before you learned all this too, you told a friend of yours, I think I'm going to start a wolf sanctuary. And she looked at you like you were kind of crazy. <laughs> well, right. I mean, uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, it, uh, yeah. It's, it's crazier than that, even. Yeah. So here's, here's what happened. I mean, when I find this original sixteen walls, I um, I find them uh, at a at a dog rescue center that uh, had just rescued them. So, they, so I come, I come to try to rescue a, a, a playmate for my 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 wolf dog. And they show me, well, I have all these ones in the back, and they come and show me those. 
So I began volunteering at that place, helping out with those wolf dogs. And then within three months, I'm actually speaking with the, the owner of that dog rescue. Um, and we're, we're talking about the weather. And suddenly these words come out of my mouth. I said, you know, all my life, I wanted to start a wolf hunter. <laughs> and and I, I mean, uh, I swear to you, that was never an intention of mine. It was a wolf century was never on my vision board, yeah. you know, and and it was never something that I that. But at that, those the words came came out of me uh, with integrity, with complete honesty. I I was meaning what I was saying, even though I didn't know what I was saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, this person um, uh, believed me and said, "Sure, I, I'll help you. I'll teach you whatever I." know what I know and I, I help you start wow. and she did and I never backed out of that of that statement um, it, it was it was very interesting and I'm and today you know I, I only theorized that you know maybe an inner longing that I didn't know I have was speaking through me maybe this ancestral connection with the wolf yeah. was speaking through me maybe a higher calling was speaking through me maybe the actual wolf was speaking and they were just using me as a puppet to just set me out on, on, on what they, you know, what would be, you know, my life work eventually. And, yeah. and, and this wolf, I gotta say, you know, we rescue all the wolves at the ranch. We, they are rescued. Mm. So we have a dual purpose, not only helping people, but with these, yeah. these animals are, are, um, you know, illegal pets, uh, come from fur farms and so on. So none of them come from the wild. Yeah. And, and, and the belief that I hold in, you know, in my heart is that the wolves that end up on my sanctuary, there are other wolf sanctuaries in the country, none of which have youth programs and recovery programs attached to it. And, and I, I want to believe that the ones that come to our ranch are the ones that actually choose to become ambassadors. Mm. And, and if you ever come to the ranch, you'll see that they're proud. I mean, yeah. they are, you know, in most, most animal rescues, you see the, and of course, you know, bless their soul. I mean, they're saving these animals. But many of these animals, you, you see them or you go to a county shelter and they are bored. They are like a little down, a little, you know, without putting a human emotion, a little depressed or a little, yeah. you know, unmotivated. And and the ones on, on, on my ranch, they are ecstatic to meet you. I mean, they are <laughs> jumping up and down. They are looking forward to meet a new person and, yeah. uh, and do their magic. So, very cool. Yeah, I mean, you guys you guys hike you go on hikes right you go out i mean you're very in, it's very interactive uh, um when you do have uh groups or visitors come out to visit the ranch right 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 we have uh, woven in a bunch of different uh approaches and, and and techniques so we you know we use uh formal you know psychotherapy we use uh, and a bunch of uh, native american methodologies and rites of passage and and uh Eastern tradition. So when you when a group comes to the ranch or anybody comes to visit, we're gonna sit in silence at the beginning, and we're gonna do a little council and a short meditation, and then we're gonna go, you know, to get the mindset and the energy level right to meet the walls. Then we're gonna go meet the walls, and and people will hear these transformational stories from the the the, the wolf lives, um, and then we're gonna lay out a bunch of principles and the wolf lessons. Um, to, to better human life yeah. and then there will be experience so that you know hiking with the wolf is part of experiencing the, the wolf lessons um, and then they are you know depending on the, the, the 
type of program. They are artistic expressions of the connection. So the kids that come, they write poetry, they write songs. We do murals. We build benches and tree houses, and we decorate them with wolf themes. I mean, it's a, it's a very uh, completely experiential uh, program. Yeah, it sounds absolutely amazing, man. Like I gotta, I gotta come down and and experience this. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean it's, uh, I don't know, man. There's something that is, uh, it's it's very, um, it's very touching just to think about and even imagine, you know, the um, the connection there, you know. And I, I have no clue. Like I don't, I, I don't know what it is, man. But it's there's a certain feeling that that's there, man. So uh, yeah, we can talk more more about that, you know, maybe later on or so. I'd love to bring my kids down even and, and see if, I don't know if that's, I don't know what the age group is or whatever, but uh, um, what about the 12 wolf principles? Right. So those are the wolf lessons that I was referring to. Um, you know, we, <laughs> we, you know, coincidentally 12, 12 principles and 12, 12 steps. Yeah. Um, I mean, the reason it was 12 is because they can be practiced once a month, you know, and they yeah. have a whole year of practice. Um, and also our program is, uh, is eight weeks and through the, the six weeks in between, we practice two principles a week. So it became 12, uh, but I love the number. Um, so, the, I mean, that's, these are simple lessons from wolves to humans written in a very, very simple language. Uh, when, I, when I wrote those lessons, those principles, I had in mind the, the, the people that we serve, and the, the, especially the young people we serve. And it is, it's certainly the same case with people in recovery. There's an emotional and a psychological impairment when you have emotional trauma and, and mental illness. So very complicated concepts can be sometimes understood but not emotionally grasped. And I was shooting to have a very, you know, one sentence lesson that, that this, uh, uh, the people that we serve can really hold on to. Yeah. For example, uh, wolves are okay with who they are, right? Yeah. Simple things, but, uh, and that lesson, I mean, and then we, we start unpacking them, right? Because being okay with who you are doesn't mean you like who you are or, or where you are or what you are. It just means that you're okay. Got so it. this aims to, this aims to strip our experience from all the layers of judgment. You know, sometimes let's say someone, a person is uh, experiencing addiction and, and right now the addiction is, is out of control. They're not able to get a, a handle on it. Okay. So that's, that's reality. So being okay with that. And then of course our hum, human, you know, we go, so because I have an addiction and because uh, I, I can't get a handle on it, I'm a piece of shit. And because I'm a piece of, I'm useless. Yeah. And then because of that, I deserve to die. And then because of that, but I don't want to, right? So all these extra layers, I mean, the reality is that you, there is an addiction. And then I'm a piece of shit. I'm useless. I deserve to die. Those are three layers of horrid judgment yeah. that if you are okay with the fact that you have an addiction, basically, you know, almost like, you know, you know, first step, you know, give a, you know, turn over the wheel and, and, uh, and, and admit that you are a, you are an addict yeah. and be okay with it will will actually release someone from the heaviness of deserving to die, piece of shit, all that stuff. Yeah. So um, you know, 
wolves let go of the past and make room for new things in their life. Any any animal in nature, especially uh, you know, high-level mammals, they have systems built in which they, if they experience trauma, they are able to shake it off, to do physically shake it off, and, and do some shimmering. I mean, uh, that, that, there are videos and documentaries on this. And then able to move on, opposed to what humans do. We know we, we experience trauma, and then we hold it in. Yeah. You know, we get tighter. We get tighter in our muscles. We start in our heart. Our breath gets tighter. Our nervous system gets tighter. And then there's no. It's very tough to actually circulate and 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 shake that trauma. We we, so, we we take so it very now. we take it very personal. Whereas I guess maybe a man, would you is it is it okay to say like a mammal or a wolf or they don't take it personal? Absolutely. This a documentary. If you if you look at it, it's a documentary, um, some people were doing a, a, a safari in Africa, and they witnessed right in front of the jeep uh, a, a, a lion or a, a jaguar going after a um, a, a pronghorn uh, antelope, uh-huh. and the and the antelope um, actually is grabbed by the neck, and then other animals come and kind of and chase him away. So the I mean. The animal is in on the on the ground dead. Mm. I mean, completely dead. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, limp. Yeah. And after a few seconds, you start seeing a ear twitching, and then something else twitches, and then it's able to, you know, very with a lot of effort, sit back up, and then the start, the entire body is convulsing, uh. and it's shaking, and the skin, and the head, and the, and the, you know, it looks like it's having a seizure. Yeah. And then after a minute or two of that. Takes a deep breath, stands up, and goes out trotting like nothing happened. <laughs> wow! Beautiful, beautiful. I mean, that's incredible. That's breathtaking because yeah. we are unable to do that. I mean, especially as we age, playing, dancing, joking around, running and jumping, and all those things. You know, we don't do. I mean, they, they now we they are silly. They are, you know, kids stuff. We are adults. We don't. We are serious, right? So we do take ourselves. We take it personally, and we take ourselves too seriously. Oh yeah, to to be able to bring you know this kind of uh, this kind of emotional and and, and uh, somatic release to our trauma, um, and then of course we then we sit down and talk about it. Which <laughs> yeah. talking about it is a good step, but uh, the re- you know the, the in my opinion, my humble opinion, the true healing is not going to come through the head. It will come through the body and through the you know our emotional emotional body. Um, so sooner or later we're gonna have to move, shake it out, walk it out, uh, you know, cry it out, yell it, you yeah. know, bring an expression to it that is beyond just talking about. What well, one of the other uh, principles I noticed on here that I wanted to ask you about was wolves are into being, not doing. What does that mean? Well, uh, that, that, um, that's a, a, a put a hidden practice right there mm. in, in that principle. If you, you know, humans, we are um, drawn to, our brains are drawn to movement and action. I mean, look at our movies, you know, very, you know, high colors, moving fast, right? So that appeals to our Olympic system. So all the documentaries that you see about wolves and predators are usually uh, focused on the hunt, on the fight, you know, the fight between wolves, the hunt, 
right? Which is all the action. We are very yeah. action oriented. But if you actually go, I mean, I, I go with my wife and spend time with the biologists at Yellowstone National Park a few times a year, and we are observing actual wolf behavior in the wild. 80% of your time, you're watching wolf sleep. Huh, really? You know, or, you know, and if they're not sleeping, they're sitting on a rock, just contemplating the vista mm. and watching what the pups are doing. And, you know, and you see their ears moving if you're close enough, so they're picking up on, on sound, they're picking up their nose, they're picking up on scent, you know, so the wind is bringing the scent of some buffalo nearby and the sound of a coyote eating and they're just contemplating the thing and they're not hunting all the time actually they hunt only as necessary because hunting is a very dangerous activity for wolves yeah. they're hunting they're hunting animals you know 10 15 times their size and their weight and and um you know it's, it's not a joking matter yeah so so they hunt if they, they once or twice a week and that's it the rest of the time they're walking from here to there, from the under the street to that rock, and then they take a nap there, and then from there they go and play a little bit, and then they sit under the tree again, <laughs> and that's what you see all day. Yeah. So they have this ability to just be, you know, um, you know we, we have become human doings, not human beings. I mean, we are defined by action, yeah. what we do, and, uh, you know, it's very hard for us to just sit and be quiet close your eyes and just feel and be. So what we do with the, with the kids at the ranch is that we go with the wolf hiking and we hike a little bit up the mountain. Our ranch is in a very nice uh, a valley surrounded by, by mountains. And, and so we hike up a mountain and we get to an overlook or a cliff or something. And then we just sit there for sometimes 30 minutes. Wow. And there's, there's nothing to do. There's nothing to say. There's nothing to think about. So we, I, we teach them, you know, techniques to each other. If you have a thought, observe it and let it, you know, be taken away by the wind. I said, be and watch. And then the wolf, obviously, we, we hide with them. The wolf is next to them and they either doze off or they just, you know, contemplating the, 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 the vista together. It's, wow. it's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. And, and that's something that we, you know, most of us, uh, I mean, I have a very strong practice in my life, and many times I wake up and I need to jump into action, and I don't, uh, I don't have the those fifteen or twenty minutes to just wake up, you know, sit on my patio or, you know, on my couch and close my eyes and just mm. intend intend the day, visualize my day, visualize myself, visualize my relationships, visualize visualize my life. Um, in a way that I can open my eyes and then tackle it with consciousness. Yeah. What What's the age group for most of uh, most of the folks who come out who are looking to work uh, with the with the wolves and work on some of the trauma or addiction or is it is it mostly youth? Is it all ages? What does that look like? Well, we started at um, uh, I started actually organizations to serve exclusively foster youth. Mm. And then, and then we, we, you know, over the last 10 years, we've been expanding to, to a number of populations because of, there's so much need. Yeah. So we have our, our youth programs are based, I um, focus on prison diversion. So basically we get kids in foster care, uh, probation with, uh, in drug treatment, and we give them the tools they need to basically not end up, not end up in prison. Got it. Got it. 
that's right? awesome. So yeah. then, then we have your our uh, young adult program. So 18 to 25, uh, we we serve a lot of uh, recovery drug uh, recovery centers in that bracket, and we also um, serve uh, uh, young men and women coming out of prison. Got it. And then we have our an adult program where we serve veterans, and then we serve uh, lifers. So uh, the, the law in California has changed over the last few years, where people, some people that were sentenced to life in prison and meet certain conditions, they are released on parole. So uh, we do a um, um, welcome back to society a retreat. There's a three days where this, this uh, mostly men, can, you know, within the first couple of weeks out of prison, uh, they they come to the ranch and we, we help them. We give them like a welcome back to society kind of retreat with rights of initiation. And so, wow. and these are men that have been in prison, you know, some, some, some of them 30 and 40 years. Wow. That's incredible, man. You must have a pretty extensive uh, uh, team, I would imagine, to, to be able to, to, to do that work. I mean, I imagine it's pretty yeah, intense do. at times. Yeah, we do. I have, I have a, a leadership team that is uh, eight, eight people that are full-time, and then I have about 20 part-time wow. people that are, uh, you know, program program employees that are seasonal, depending on how, how programs go in intensity. Um, and then about 50 volunteers that are very dedicated and they also participate, uh, you know, helping yeah. with the walls and different things, different phones. So, um, all, all, yeah, be, all because your friend gave you a wolf pup. <laughs> all because my it, friend gave me a wolf pup. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. You never know where you yeah. know what life is going to be really knocking at the door. Yeah, it's pretty awesome, man. Um, I have one, one more thing for you, and then I want to I want to talk a little bit about the book and where we can find that at, where folks can reach out to you. Um, one of the things that. Uh, that I love to do my, and my buddy Seth, who's, who's a part of the show, uh, and a big part of my recovery. We've known each other a long time and he's in recovery himself too. Uh, but one of the things we really enjoy to do is go backpacking. So we go up, um, every year we take a, we take a trip up to paradise Lake up in, uh, the Sierras. And we got a couple other spots that we like to go to and we get out a couple times each year, but, um, Hi. there's something, you know, and I, and I did, there's a couple parts to this actually. I did this as a kid growing up, right, with my grandpa. Before I started messing my life up and going down the path of addiction and all that, my grandpa used to take me as a kid backpacking. So we'd go up to the Marble Mountains up in uh, the Oregon and California border up there, and we'd go out for a week into the wild and we'd fish. And I mean, just it was some of the best times of my life as a kid. And as I got older, I got away from that, right? And then, and then when I when I got sober and I went into in, into you know learning a little bit more about myself and just exploring this new life, I was able to tap back in to that time as a kid backpacking and kind of rekindle that spirit again, which was great to be able to connect and bring yep. some of that kid out in me. And I think that was such a huge part. Um, it, it is such a huge part of my recovery, but I guess what I'm getting at here is I, I know you're, you know, uh, nature is a big part in, in hiking and obviously the wolves and um, getting yep. outdoors. Like how important do you think that is and how can we encourage others to, you know, the, especially if, whether you're in recovery or not, but especially if you are, um, there's something there that you can connect to by getting out into the wilderness, getting out into uh, the trees, into nature. And uh, there's something in our spirit that can really activate and come alive when we do that. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, I mean, you're, you're talking about your grandfather and, and reminds me, I mean, my father did the same. He used to take me hunting when I was a kid. Mm. Uh, and, uh, and you know, I, obviously, I don't hunt anymore. I haven't hunted in, in 20 years or more. But uh, yeah. um, but the connection with nature, sleeping in a tent, you know, le- you know, lighting up a fire and sitting around the fire in the evening and, uh, you know, um, to stay with me. Yeah. So this, this connects back to something I said earlier about, you know, the, the, the uh, illusion that we are separated from nature. So now we need to go into nature in order to, to, to be whole. Yeah. So the, um, I think it's imperative for uh, every single one of us to have uh, some awareness of our, our belonging is not even a relationship too, but I would belonging uh, to nature. I mean, we belong, uh, 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 you know, my, my teacher said something, you know, that she said it when the, she first said it, she changed my life. And she said, I'll never forget that the majority of consciousness is non-human. Mm. So we are the vast minority on this planet and in the cosmos, right? But we, we act as we own the place because we are so self-centered that we can't see really past the tip of our nose. Yeah. But if we really look, I mean, nature is really all around us. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm right now here, uh, you know, talking to you. I'm, I'm under a tree mm. and there is some grass. And of course, I mean, you know, I'm in a, in, in a middle of a city right now, but instead of using, you know, the trees and the grass as decoration, which is what, what we refer them to uh that's a that's a that's an ancient living being right outside yeah. your house yeah and and that's uh, and that's an uh, and the grass is like a you know skin like an organism stretching through your lawn through the park right uh, and then they, we have you know insects and and and, and uh, birds and and lizards and i mean the abundance of life is overwhelming yeah and so having, you know, I mean, I think, I think, uh, uh, that connection is, is just uh, in, in, indicative, uh, uh, to, um, to mental health yeah. uh, and to, to emotional health and to, uh, I mean, I, I personally, I can't imagine a happy life without, uh, a, a, a connection and a sense of belonging to nature. Yeah. Me either, man. And I can't imagine for a guy, you know, who's done 30 years of time uh, to come out, you know, who, who, who at one point probably thought that his life was over, you know, that he was going to be in there forever and ends up yep. getting a second chance to come out and experience uh, at the ranch, you know, this new life in this new surroundings, uh, nature, wolves a, a second i mean isn't that really what um you know it's about is is redemption and I, and and I, and I say that um you know with the fact of you know well i don't know why i why i don't even know why i feel there's certain things that i'm not sure that can be redeemed <laughs> let's just put it that way and i'm talking about heinous heinous stuff here um in particular you know what i mean but um i feel at the same time that um you know people generally uh, deserve a second chance, you know, and I, and I think that, uh, 
um, I think that you offering that up to all ages, you know, from men who've done time to kids in foster care, it's really an amazing thing, man. And it's, uh, it's really an honor to have you on, on the show today and share, uh, your work, man. And I, and I just love, like you mentioned it, I think early on in this podcast and into, into the one I listened to on the new man too, about, you know, you've made it your, your life's um, mission to serve and to have an impact on the next generation. And I don't think there's anything, uh, and I, and I know you say that humbly and, and you're not just saying it. I don't think there's anything more noble and honorable to do as a man. So I just, I thank you, man, for, for the work you're doing, uh, for coming on the show. Uh, it's been, a, been a great chat. I've got to learn a lot today. I hope everyone out there listening has got to learn some stuff too. Um, I, let me give you an opportunity to kind of follow up with anything, uh, to close us out. And then, uh, please, if you could share where folks can find you at, where they can find the book at, and I have your social media links, the book link, I'll put that all in the show notes as well. Sure, 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 sure. And I felt like exactly like you about about this uh, sense of redemption and people in prison. I, I initially didn't want to serve them because mm. I thought if they are, you know, if you're in prison for life, there's a reason for that. Yeah. And, and then I and then I met them. Yeah. Yep. And then everything changed for me. I mean, this 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 they they have they have uh, some to offer. Sure. So in terms, I mean, Wolf Connection is a it's a nonprofit. So we we exist thanks to you know people like you, people like your listeners, people that care, that get involved, that that volunteer, that uh, make a, a financial contribution. We have no government support, uh, so so uh, again we exist thanks to to private donors and foundations. So if anybody listening to this uh, feels touched and connected to to the mission, come check us out. It's uh, worldconnection.org. Um, and, and get involved. Uh, the book is the book just came out uh, last week, and um, it can be it's on Amazon, on Barcelona Nobles, and all the all the book media outlets. It's an audio book that I heard is pretty good. I haven't heard it yet, so I I um, yeah, and and I'm past the love. I mean, you know, let's see where it goes. Yeah, man. Good stuff. Yeah, the book one more time, The Wolf Connection, What Wolves Can Teach Us About Being Human. Uh, did you do the audio version or did you have a, uh, a voiceover artist do it? I'm just curious. I, I read I read the introduction and the epilogue. Nice, nice. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm a, I'm an audio guy, man. That's probably why I'm into podcasting a lot. I have, I love, I, I always try to read. I don't know that I've ever finished a full complete book, if I'm honest, because like I just, I, I don't, it, it, it's not, it's not a content thing either because there's some great books that I've started reading, but the audio version, I seem to be able to get through those a little bit easier. So I'll have to check out the audio version as well but sure, yeah th thank you again man and uh i'd love to connect again sometime and i uh, appreciate you man thank you i appreciate you too thank you shane for having me it was a pleasure man all right man thanks for tuning in today you can check us out at that sober guy.com uh, be sure to connect with us on instagram at real that sober guy and uh on twitter at shane raymer peace love and respect and keep your blood clean Oh, I don't know anything
anything about you But I know what you do in the back room And you still say that I don't know anything about you